before, but a majority of the ones before, brought to you by the Wave Media Co. It's uh, another edition of Let's Get Weird Wednesday. It is February 3rd, the year 2021, and Nick, you're in a blizzard. How are you hanging in there, man? Yeah, I'm I'm quite literally in a blizzard. Um, I'm hanging in there, drinking my way through it, um, saying hunkered down, not going to work, you know, because th- they tried to get me to go to work today, and it was snowing until 3 p.m. You know what, Nick? I'm right there with you. I would not be going to work. I'd be drinking my way through. The only thing you have to worry about, though, when blizzards happen, you know what happens nine months later. Oh, that, no, no worries there. <laughs> can not, confirm. Not Absolutely a single zero, concern. Zero percent chance. Unless I can get not my toilet even, pregnant. In, um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, that was one of the most underrated funny things Clem said when he was talking about getting his vasectomy. He's like, you know, you barely have sex. But he's like, you know, you don't have to worry about me shooting one onto the ceiling in the bathroom. And all of a sudden it drips down on her when she's taking a shower. <laughs> like one of the most underrated funny things he said that whole interview. Um, but okay, so zero percent chance. I, I, I'll have you know, it's been cold down here. It's been cold down in the Carolinas, but. I have not had to worry about snow. Also, same boat, though. Zero percent chance. I have to worry about that. Zero point um, zero. So we're, we're in a good spot, Nick. Um, so, like, you just been drinking your way out. Have you been doing any workouts? Have you done anything? Just watching the baby, lifting them up, doing some kettlebell swings with the baby, maybe? I don't need your fucking judgment right now. No, I haven't done shit, Kyle. Well, ne- no, neither have I. <laughs> neither have I. Uh, our Peloton is not getting here until the 11th of this month. Wait, you and bought I was like, a Peloton? Yeah, I thought I told you that a while ago. So you're fucking... Ladies and gentlemen, this is point proof. Fucking Kyle's rich. Kyle is wealthy. I am not rich. Kyle is... It took a lot of savings. No. A lot of savings to get there. No. It did. Right now, as of right this moment, we we have hard, hard proof. Kyle is wealthy and he's holding out on me. No, I'm not. He's made anyway, secret, secret deals behind my back with the Wave Media Co. And I he actually is, um, he is getting absolutely paid. I'm getting a. I'm sending out feet pics on OnlyFans. That's what I'm doing. They want to see these fucking Fred Flintstone, uh, Bilbo Baggins, hairy ass flat feet. That's what they want. Um, but no, I, I haven't been working out. I I went to the chiropractor though this week or this weekend, and she was like, "What what's your level of like exercise?" And I lied, and my lie was that I go for walks. So, like, it's not even like I'm shooting high. It wasn't even like, oh, you know, I I do, like, yoga and burpees. No, like, I I go for the occasional stroll around the block. Me and Frank the Tank have the same workout schedule, except Frank actually is working out. And Frank actually loses weight. Yeah, he's... Dude, Frank looks good. Frank looks awesome. Good? I mean, we need to get him back on the show, but Frank, if you're listening, man, keep up the hard work. Do we? Probably not listening, but... Yeah, <laughs> uh, but keep up the good work, man. But when I was at the chiropractor, she said something to me that like basically gave me a boner while I was laying on the table. She was like, because I, I just complain. I'm a complainer. I'd rather not fix it. I'd rather just complain about it. And Kaylee was there with me uh, and the chiropractor's like working on me. She's like, oh my gosh. 
And she like goes to the other side of my body. She's like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, like you like are so locked up. I don't know how you've been functioning. And just hearing her say that was like, I did it. Like you guys all thought I was being a fucking baby, but no, I was right. I'm the captain. I'm the boss. And it's just like, instead of actually doing something about it for like the last six months, I've just been complaining, but it was just so gratifying to know I, I wasn't being a baby about everything. Yeah, no, you're you're completely validated in your complaining, and and she has completely reset the complaining clock. No, she well, she has, but I I need to go back. Like she was like, you, your left side. She was like, you She said my hips weren't even. I didn't even know your hips can be yep. even. Like I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing. And she like laid me down. She's like, oh my gosh, your legs like they're there. Your hips are out of whack. And she used that fucking um the machine gun thing on me, like the uh, like the um. I almost said vibrator. You know what I'm talking about. Same the, fucking thing. The massage gun. Yeah. I almost cried. It's basically a drill with a... With, with a, a fucking rubber ball on the end of it. Yeah, that... I mean... Dude, I, I legitimately... as a vibrator. I mean, if you were really fucking Just beating it up. blast off on that thing. Otherwise, that's a little bit dangerous. But, um... I, I was, like, almost in tears during it. And... I didn't, like, is it acceptable to cry at the doctor when they're stretching you and doing that shit? Because she, like, was stretching me. She's like, oh, you are not flexible. I was like, yeah, I used to hide from my college baseball coach. Like, when I was in my peak performance, I used to have to hide from my baseball coach so he didn't yell at me when we were stretching. I was like, what thinks that, what makes you think that in the last six years I've been stretching even more? I know that when I, the one time that I've been to the chiropractor, uh, he was adjusting me. And the first thing that he asked me was... Have you been in a car accident? <laughs> That's how mangled you were? Yes. Did you lie and say yes? No, I said no. He was like, did you play football growing up? I said, yeah. He said, how long has it been? Uh, and this, I was 20, I was probably 23 or 24. So it was uh, it was a solid five, five, six years. Yeah. He was like, when's the last time you played? And huh. Nick likes uh, Sunflower, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Sorry about that. No, you're good. But, uh, but yeah, no. Um. He asked, when's the last time you played? And I was like, I don't know, like when I was 18. And he was like, Jesus Christ, dude. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, I expected you to play arena football with how bad your body is. But being justified, we talked about it a few episodes ago, being justified in an injury or like complaining, it, it's the same as an I told you so, right? It's like on that same level of like, see, I wasn't being a big baby. I wasn't being a pussy. Yeah. Like I, I had a justified reason to be a complainer and just sit there and whine. Now, what is better though? Is it better to whine and whine and whine or is it better just to get fixed? Cause getting fixed requires like a lot of effort. Yeah, it does. But I, th- I think, I think there's a threshold where you can, you can complain for about, Six months? Yeah, four four to six months and then get it fixed and like you don't know like there's that the relief and stuff like that. But anything mm-hmm. longer than four to six months it, it it becomes like It becomes an issue it comes in an issue for everybody around. Oh yeah, yeah. I also like don't like I wasn't like you know, every day like, Oh my back, my back. It would be like like three times a week, like, oh I have a headache and then she was like, Yeah, you have like a nerve that's like like whatever like in the base of your skull is she was like, this is, like, really bad. Like, a lot of, you have a lot of tense pressure on this. No wonder you're having headaches. And then she put the, the, the massage thing basically on the base of my skull, and I thought that she was going to knock my equilibrium out of place forever. 
You thought she was a, just massage gun your eyeballs out of socket? Basically. I also, whenever she adjusted my neck, I immediately wiggled my toes. Just double check. Like, I've been to the chiropractor a hundred times, but every time I've done it. And it's like it's like the good luck where I listen to the exact same. Like, every time I take off on a plane, I, ha- I listen to the beginning of part of my take. For, like, the last, like, five years, four or five years, however long I've been around. And it's been good luck to me so far. Every time I go to the chiropractor... I crack, they crack my neck. I immediately wiggle my toes. It's been good to me so far. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. When the one time I can't wiggle my toes, it's, I mean, it's going to be broke to the point of not being able to be fixed, but fair, but I, at least I know I did everything I tried. You know I mean? Like I did everything in my power to keep the good juju on my side. I know that when I went to the chiropractor, I might've said this before, but I was, I was scared that they wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't be able to pop. Oh, I, so I was nervous about that too because I was driving there and I, I adjusted my neck and I was like, I should have saved those cracks. I should have saved, saved it for the professional. God, yeah, so, exactly. So selfish, Kyle. Yeah. Selfish, one, and just like very short-sighted. Yeah. Like it's just like have some feel for the situation. Like you're on the way to the chiropractor. Save the pops. Yeah. But yeah, room, I would Kyle. be I would be terrified. Like you're just like like you're like a, a marshmallow. It just like you can't you just they just pull you, and you just keep stretching like a, a stretch Armstrong, but nothing ever pops. I walk out of it, I'm 6'5". But, but no pops. <laughs> no pops. I I always wondered, like, could you get a little bit taller from the chiropractor? Yeah. Like, obviously, if you have scoliosis. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, even when, like, you're all compressed and shit, and, you know, your, your, your hips are out of whack, and your spine's, like, mangled, if they stretch you and you get your aligned, you can, you can walk out of there maybe half an inch taller. So maybe I got, like, 6'5", at least now. I don't know about that, but hey, you know, anything's <laughs> in the realm of possibility. But 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 five eight, not out of the question. <laughs> um, dude, did you ever have any friends growing up that had an inversion table in their house? No, but I wanted one. Those things like really scare me because I I one time put myself my friend had an inversion table. Uh, actually, he didn't have an inversion table. He had the abs thing. Whatever. What was the upside down abs thing? Uh, the ab rocket. Sure. Is that it. Like the as seen on TV. Do you know what I'm talking about yeah. though? I put myself in one of those and he left the room and I was so fat. I, at that point I was in like middle school and I hadn't broke my jaw yet. So I hadn't got skinny. I couldn't get myself up. And that's a bad feeling. Being like locked in upside down. Starts seeing stars. Good. Well, you just like your head just starts getting like hot. Yeah. You're like, I don't know what's going on. But my cheeks feel like they're a million pounds. My pet, you know, zero blood in my toes. And he had to come in and kind of give me a little oomph to get me back up. Give you but a little ab rocket. I maybe I, maybe I need to get an ab rocket right now. Adjust your back for you, decompress, and then go ahead and. I mean, I'm not going to use it, but like you know, good for the spine. Yeah, that's a very year least. of the core. You you did a year of the core, didn't you? One time, and it was like two months. It was it was like four or five months, but yeah, I did it <laughs> longer than I did. <laughs> um, year of the year of the, well, that was big cat right? The year 2019. of the core, or 2019 year of the core, 2018, 18, maybe even somewhere around there. It's it's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, have you have you watched any of the surviving barstool stuff? I have not. Explain it to me, please. Dude, it's it's hysterical. Um, essentially, it's Survivor, like the show Survivor, which I've never really watched, but they can't leave the barstool office, and the winner gets ten grand. Okay. So for a week, they're going to stay in the office. It, it's on tonight at seven. Um, so I think they're doing every day until Thursday or Friday. Uh, an episode. I think it's still rough and rowdy, so I would imagine Thursday. Um, and it's live on YouTube. 
you can go back and watch the old episodes, but it is fucking funny, dude. Like Nick Tarani is hysterical. Mm -hmm. Um, but how long do you think, not on like Marshall Survivor, but how long do you think you'd last on a normal Survivor? A normal Survivor? Oh my God. Um, shit. Maybe a week. And then I'd get hungry and then I'd be like, I want to go home. Yeah, I was saying the exact same thing. Like five, it, like depending on where they put me, it's like, how sunburned can I really get? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at what point is the sunburn just too bad? And it's just like, ah, I don't want to be here anymore. What What do you think the hardest part of, I think like, all right, what would be like your, your build a character, your survivor? Like my survivor, like I would be like physical traits, like, you know, 60%. Then like, um, like likability or like trickiness i think i would be like an 80 i think that would be like my strength to like get people on my side and to like vote other people off like i think i'm very convincing yeah but I, if I it think, was like I, I think you have to be like you have to have that tricky side but at the same time you have to have enough physical ability that you know you can back it up with you know uh a, and you know an, an elimination sort of win you know what i mean exactly like Where if it was like the challenge the immunity like, challenges that? you, you got to be able to show up yeah, exactly. And I think I could show up for a fair amount of them, but like anything that required like being tall and getting to stuff, um, not not gonna happen. Like the what what was the cha- like the famous challenge thing where they strapped the two guys back to back and they had to like carry the one guy. I think it was like JT. I don't know anybody was, on the challenge. Oh my god, it was uh, that's C- like the it one was name CT I know. And Johnny Bananas. Okay, and and CT wore a bana- a bananas backpack. Yeah, and, and like. Once it got to that level of competition, I'm out. Like, I probably would just quit at that point. Um, but I think, like, the first, like, couple weeks or whatever, first couple episodes, I could be pretty convincing to be like, that guy over there, like, we need to get him out. And just, like, also, you know what I think I would be really good at is being the guy that would be like, hey, did you, like, hear what Nick was saying? Nick was saying they wanted to vote out Timmy. Like, are you cool with that? And just completely making it up. And then it's like, maybe they go after you, maybe they go after Timmy, but I was the one who brought the news to that. Well, yeah, but then you run the risk of it blowing up on you. I know, you run that risk, but like I said, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Oh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not I'm, winning. I'm here for the money. I'm here for I'm here for the the, the whole shebang. What, what would be your traits? Would you be, do you think you'd be good at convincing people and scheming or... All right, so say let's break this down to the three categories. All right, okay. so we have we have physical, we have um, we have scheming, and we have leadership. Okay. Um, I'm gonna put, and we have we have ten points to spend. Okay. I'm putting five points into physical. Okay. I'm putting three points into scheming. Two points into leadership. I'm doing five points into um, leadership, three points into scheming, two points into physical. Because I'm just going to be realistic. <laughs> um, but I think I think I could snake my way through a, a decent amount of it. I feel like just having the sales background and uh, talking for a living, I could definitely fuck. So, the the thing is, like, if you cause if you can scheme your way out of the really physical people, you can level the playing field. Yeah, it's fair. You can you can do that. Like that, that would be my strategy. I'd just be like, get all the squares, get all the the fatsos, get everybody with me. See, that's like, that's the thing that I, I like about the challenge versus uh versus a show like Survivor is Survivor. It's you know strictly vote based. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. 
you know, if well, you, you get the immunities from physical stuff, right? Right. Okay. Well, well, like the the tribes win, like you know, the immunity challenge or whatever. But if your tribes in the, you know in in the the tribal council as they call it, mm-hmm. and you have the you have enough votes, then you're out. But my whole thing is on on the challenge. Like even if you get me into the elimination, you still gotta face me down in the elimination. You know what I mean? Like you, like sure you can scheme and you can get everybody on your side, but you still gotta have a hitter down there to take me out. That's a fair point. So that's what I like about the challenge versus survivor. But in this case, you 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 do bring up a fair point where you're like, sure, I can I can work my ass off in the in the challenges, but you know if. When it comes to tribal council, I might just be shit out of luck because you have the votes on your side. Yeah, I could just be like the ultimate politician and just like talk out of both sides of my mouth and just be like, "You're like every guy." You, you, that's you'd like come six. to me. You come to me, but like, dude, don't worry, you're safe. We're gonna take out. We're, oh. gonna, we're gonna take Steve out. You know, we got this, man. You and I to the end. You and I to the end. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, God, that fucking Kyle, great fucking and then dude, just right in your back. And then you're going right to Steve, and you're going, dude. All right, I got Steve, Phil, Jessica and Miranda, and we're all voting for Nick. Yeah. I, I, I would be a pretty... But then, like, at the end, my conscience would probably get the best of me. I'd be like, ah, fuck, if I win, I gotta give him some money because I really fucked him over. And, like, by the end, I'd just, like, I'd win it and have, like, 500 bucks for myself and cash out, like, a million dollars into, you know, trying to get, a, I guess, good karma back on my side. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen to me. Um, I know that it's... Like you said, it's... Surviving Barstool, there's nothing else going on in the world right now because football's basically over. We have the Super Bowl, right? We have basketball, which you don't really watch. We have some hockey going on. Now, why didn't we have bets on Groundhog's Day, Nick? I don't know, man. That's that's a good question. What even happened if, with fucks Tony Phil? I, I don't I don't know. But That's why we didn't have bets. Yeah, that's yeah, it's true. Because I could have told you anything and made you pay me, or I could have had to pay you because no one really knows. This is, it's the dumbest thing in the world, right? It's the most antiquated, stupid thing in the world. It's, 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 so it's, it's, it's more dumb than, uh, giving the turkey the pardon for Thanksgiving. That was at least a little funny. A little bit. A little bit funny. Well, it's actually the exact opposite because fucking de Blasio, he, he killed one one time. He killed a groundhog. People don't talk about that enough. <laughs> He, he, he didn't kill Chuck. That's a name, right? Chuck? No, Phil. Puck's Tony Phil. Phil. Okay, he killed Charlotte. So, R.I.P. Charlotte. But he laughed about it. Did, have you ever seen the video? No. He's, like, holding it. He's got, like, this weird glove on. Like, it's like a hook or an eagle handle or glove. And just a drops falconer. this thing. Yeah, and he drops it from, like, head height. Oh, no. And he's a fairly tall man. And it just hit the ground. I don't think it splattered, but... But, like, a sack of potatoes. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely knocked its head and just died. That's something that is not talked about enough. Like, that should have been, when that moment happened, we should have been like, how about we just leave this groundhog? Like, just let it be. Because, you know what? It doesn't matter. And I had at least three people over the last, like, week or so when I'm like, oh, cold out, cold day out today, huh? Like, you know, getting checking out the grocery store. They're like, hopefully the groundhog sees its shadow or, like, whatever the, I don't even know what it is. Is it? Not che- no, it sees its shadow. It's a shorter winter. Is that correct? Dude, you were asking the wrong person. Okay, we're just gonna go with that. Okay, that if it sees its shadow, like and it's whatever. And I'm like, why? Like, what are you, you're gonna base your winter off this? Like, we have like 
we have like science, you know, on our side too. Like we, we have can... a farmer's almanac that I'll trust before fucking groundhog. Yeah, exactly, and that's always wrong. So like, why why not just go ahead and be done with it? It's we need to stop bringing animals into shit. Like, and we're we're a mental health podcast, right? Pro mental health for sure. Um, the anxiety dog. Can someone explain this to me? I don't need a dog to tell me I'm having an anxiety attack. I. I can tell you exactly when it's happening. Yeah, when I can't catch my breath for 10 hours, I think I'm having an anxiety when, attack. When I can't sit still and I'm rubbing my eyes raw. When I was in high school, I rubbed my eyelids raw and I would pull my ears. So if you ever see me out in public messing with my ears or rubbing my eyes, it just means I'm having a panic attack. You can just leave me alone. I don't need a dog to tell me this. And honestly, when a dog, if it was trying to get me to calm down, I'd be like, I know, leave me alone. Like I'm the grumpiest fuck when I'm having a, like an anxiety attack. Just leave me alone. Yeah, like, if you just see me sighing a lot, it's because I can't catch my breath and I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah, I, I think I'm having a heart attack, even though I haven't had a heart attack, but I've had a heart attack every day for the last seven years. <laughs> every day, convinced. Um, yeah, don't don't worry, Fido, I got this one covered. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if, if I just think about if my dogs are like, they, I mean, obviously I think dogs can tell when you're grumpy and I'm just like, leave me alone. Go in your bed, like, leave me alone. Um, wouldn't help me at all. Is that yeah, safe no, to say? Um, when I'm when I'm sitting on the couch and, and Findy's in her bed and she, you know, I'm watching something on TV and I hear her off in the corner go, mm. mm-hmm. and I'm like, excuse me, that's your bed. This is my couch. Yeah, you don't get to you don't get to yell at me, young lady, about how you want to be on the couch right now. Well, I'm about to have the cat in my fucking room for I don't know how many days because she just got fixed to death, um, and. Yeah, I went to a spay and neuter clinic. Never been to one before. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, they pump them, the kittens and dogs out. Oh, there yeah. was a line around the fucking building for this place. And when I, Kaylee called me to ask how it was, I was like, yeah, it was a little bit weird. They were just doing the surgery out in the parking lot. She's like, what? I was like, obviously I'm fucking around. But they might as well. Have. I don't know how many docs they got working there. Because if, if it's just one, that guy has to have his hands massaged every night. Yeah, it, it, it was a 30-minute wait in the parking lot to get the cat back. Jeez. So, I will be having a cat and two dogs in my room tonight. At least you don't have the twin-size bed anymore. It was a full. It was a full-size bed, Nick. It's... And I slept in it for years with Kaylee, and the dogs would get up there in the middle of the night. And that was miserable. That, yeah. I mean, that's like one of those things where you, when you realize you're like, oh, I'm 26 and I'm still sleeping on a full-size bed, like, ah, probably time to invest in a real mattress. Yeah, when I was, I think, twenty three, I got a I got a king size mattress. Never looked all back. by yourself, huh? All by yourself? Oh yeah. That's kind of a, a little bit of a baller move. You think you'd go like queen or something like that? Oh no no, no. king Cause size because I I'm, mattresses. I like to stretch the fuck out, man. They're they're kind of sneaky expensive mattresses. I got a great deal at Costco. Costco Costco's a good place to get mattresses. Do you have a membership there? I used to. Now now I so I have I have the the king size bed from from Costco. I don't I have I'll be honest, have not slept on the mattress one time. What is it in your guest room or something? No. Have a mattress have a mattress topper on it. Uh well you've slept on the mattress. Don't let's not sit here and say that you've never slept on. It. You sleep on it. You just don't sleep physically on it. I've never sweat on that mattress one time. Never fucked on it either then. That's fine. That's fine. Because I could <laughs> turn trade around, off I could turn around and sell this mattress as brand new. Yeah, you could. I mean, 
I also I would never buy a used mattress. No, absolutely not. But there are it's not formed to my body. Do it. Yeah. Oh, there are. Yeah, I know. But it's formed to my body, which is freaking me out. Like, what if this guy's really tall, or like, what if he's really fat, and now I'm just in a hole? Yeah. That's it's stuff. That stuff keeps me up at night, Nick. Also, what keeps me up at night? EA Sports. You're a bunch of scumbags. You're you are the Groundhog's Day of video games. I don't. They, they, I don't know where you're going with this. They dropped a massive announcement. NCAA football. It's back. It's back, baby. And that was it. We're getting. And you know what? It's not going to be back for two to three fucking years, Nick. Wait, are you serious? Yes, two to three years. They said was the lead time on it, which really means three. To possibly four, because you know there's going to be bugs. Oh, suck they, my dicky sports. Oh, my they're tr- God. They're are you trying kidding? To, they're trying to do it for when payers are eventually, or players are getting paid. So they're estimating it to be two to three years before they're paid. So that's when they're going to release the game. I I hate it. NCAA football that, that, came that out That announcement whole, came out, and I, I, got, I got emotional, Kyle. Because it's, it's a blast from the past. I love that game. That game, that game had so much nostalgia for me. I have NCAA football 13 right here. I've talked about it with Monte Ball. I've talked about it with all everybody. I'm just waiting for it's, this. I'm waiting for this PlayStation 3 to get here so I can play this damn game. It's uh, by the way, it, by the way, you know how pissed I was when they did drop that announcement, and I thought that I just spent 110 bucks on a console and a game for them to come out with a new game in the next six months. Yeah, but you don't have to worry about that. Nope, now, now I don't have to worry about it. I'm glad you're I did. You're like it. a genius right now. But the, the why would you even like EA Sports needs to hold this close to like they needed to hold this until it was like a month before, and then just be like, "Hey guys, what are you guys doing next month?" And the whole world's like, "I don't know." I'm like, how about nothing? Because NCAA football drops next month. Here's like the full trailer, and you're good to go. That's what they needed to do. Yeah, drop it for the spring games. Drop it. Drop well, it for you know the the May the May spring games. It's just, it's so dumb because the hype is going to die down dramatically and then you're going to have to build it back up. Why not just have it peak? Cut all the middle shit out. Just have it peak. How many shitty games is EA going to have in between now and then, right? Oh, at least two more shitty Maddens. And then, and then they're going to be like, oh, what, why is there not enough hype for NCA? Well, because you've because ruined you... Madden and you're going to ruin this game. Yeah, exactly. Just give us road to whatever it was, road to college, not road to the show, but like, Road to college again, and that's all we're asking for. Make it exactly the exact same game as 14. Dude, Dynasty Builder, whatever the fuck it but, was called. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Dynasty Builder. Um, make it the exact same game, just better graphics. That's all we want. It's the same with Call of Duty. Like If Call of Duty just kept Modern Warfare 2 the exact same and just kept coming out with new maps, it would be the best game ever. Yeah. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. There's no need. Just keep giving us new maps. Even like even DLCs that I have to buy, I'll spend 20, 30 bucks a month on a new map. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just a cash cow. Um, but I don't know, man. It, there's a lot of hype in the world right now over the video games. There's a lot of hype over Sean McVay's girlfriend or wife. Uh, because apparently that's right in that's the middle. What got, yeah. That's what got Jared Goff traded, I think. Part of it, at least. Was that confirmed? The, the leaked text that was said. Um, I would pipe Sean McVay's girlfriend, which all time line saying I would pipe somebody. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. That's absolutely that's, a, that's a 2016 line right there, but it still plays. It absolutely does. And, um, as What's I, your... as I stand before you, Jared Goff, 
you hit the nail on the head. I would pipe Sean McVay's wife. Mm-hmm. Like he's a good-looking lady. That is gorgeous. And knee-jerk reaction. Who won the trade? Um, Matt Stafford, because he gets to play under Sean McVay in that wife. Jesus Christ. And he doesn't have to play against or play behind a horrible offensive line, and has a chance. He's only thirty-three. He's still got three years in his prime. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're on record saying Hall of Famer. This may get him to the Hall of Fame without a shadow of a doubt, right? If he stays healthy for the next two years. Oh, I think um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Matt Stafford is coming to a franchise where. They're in complete win now mode. Mm-hmm. They're 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 coming in with you know Matt Stafford. They're coming in with Jalen Ramsey, that defense, Aaron Donald. I mean, look, I'm looking for Matt Stafford to have a gigantic year next year. The um, I forgot. I don't even know their running back's name. It's um, but he was the highest rated. That's exactly how like you know unknown he was. Was the highest rated um or highest graded pro football focus running back. It's like his, his schemes that he make that Sean McVay has again, I, I couldn't, I was never on the right side of the Rams this year. Never. I don't know if I should blame McVay or if I blame golf or whoever, but my knee jerk reaction was, Oh my God, the lions won this trade by so much. It's not even fair. Mm-hmm. But as I look at it, if big, if, but if they can get back to the super bowl, they don't even necessarily have to win it. But if they can get back, they the the Rams won this trade without a shadow of a doubt. It's yeah, just I mean the, the Lions. The Lions, okay, the Lions get two first round picks and a third round pick, and Goff. And Goff, um, Jared Goff has a gigantic contract, mm-hmm. um, which is not conducive to them, you know, rebuilding. Well, I was gonna say actually, it's the opposite. It is good for them to rebuild because they know their money's all sunk there. But now I think they have four first round picks over the next three years. Okay. I want to say they have, they have a lot of first round picks, but again, first round picks, like, do they really mean anything at this point? Like, obviously they do. And I, I don't know. I kind of almost think like having a, just a shit ton of picks is is better than having like two first rounders, no second, no third and like fourth, fifth. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I feel like it's almost just better to like put up a million shots and try to land guys in rounds two, three, four than it is to have two first rounders for the next three years. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's all conjecture at this point because, you know, we're, we're yet to see either of them in a, you know, uh, a LA or Detroit uniform, Mm -hmm. but we do know the known quantity, which is, which Matt Stafford is a, is a better quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. By my standard, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just been surrounded by shit talent. Yeah, they said I in mean, his career, he's had one defense that was top ten in scoring. I mean, uh, just I mean, sure if you just team. like just looking at his stats by themselves without putting without putting it next to, you know, his win loss record. Mm-hmm. Tell me that's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. No, you're right. I mean And and he he's done all that despite the team that he's been on. Yeah. And so I, that's why I think LA in the long run wins this trade because I mean if 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 Tom Brady is the standard or if Tom Brady okay Tom Brady's more the exception but if say Drew Brees is the standard. Mhm. 
you know, Drew what was forty one this year. Yeah, forty. Yeah, and Matt Stafford's thirty two. 33. 32, 33. Then, then however, LA, LA is a, getting LA is getting eight to nine years of a quarterback. Assuming he doesn't get hurt. He he has been far more injury riddled than Drew Brees. To be fair, he's been playing behind a much worse offensive line. So you need to also you're playing in Detroit where like I'm pretty sure they have like a dude from the street as their team doctor. I feel like everybody in Detroit, like and any good player in Detroit inevitably gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, maybe he goes out to L.A., he gets, you know, better access to um, physical therapists in the offseason, trainers in the Better facilities. Better facilities and a better offensive line, and he stays healthy and can give them, I would probably say, closer to seven years than nine. But still, if they can get five quality years out of him, yeah, you're right. He's got a much better contract, and he's just going to, he's a better overall quarterback. So I'd agree with you. He's a better leader. People people love playing with Matt Stafford because Matt people Stafford's for- a tough son of a bitch. People always forget the the video of Matt Stafford where he like separated his shoulder and they he went back into the game for the two point conversion. I think he said, "If you need me to throw the ball, I will." And he did. You know what? It's it is funny. He would he was willing to be traded to any team except for the but Patriots. the Patriots because Matt Patricia's back there. Yeah. So that shows you how bad that fucking pencil eared fuck was. I, I don't like Matt Patricia. Nothing to do with him being on Patriots. Uh, couldn't couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. Yeah, definitely not. Him and Tom Brady's plastic surgery. But anyway, um, let's kick it over to our interview. Yeah, uh, huge interview today. You'll you'll hear the uh, the intro. Um, I mentioned him earlier in the in the show just just now. Um, we have a former college football superstar, um, mm-hmm. a shoe in for the College Football Hall of Fame one day, um, Monte Ball. Um, I mean. You you name an accolade, he's got it. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist, um, multiple like you know multiple three time Big Ten champ, three time Big yeah. Ten champ. Played with Russell Wilson, JJ Watt. Yeah, it, like Nick said, he names off all of the awards and then butchers his name right off the beginning. Yeah, yeah, so. I, I did everything right. I I nailed all the awards, all of the pronunciations of the awards, and then fucked up his name. But um, Monte, I mean, cool dude. Just wonderful cool wonderful man. Yeah. And uh I think we made a new friend. Absolutely. So, so let's uh, kick it over to the interview. Yeah, talk to him. I am a real American. Today on Knee Brace Radio, we welcome a man that needs no introduction, but I'm gonna do it anyways because uh this introduction is incredible. Um, he's a three-time Big Ten champion, two-time consensus All-American, two-time All-Big Ten, two-time Amici Dane running back of the year, two-time Jim Brown Award recipient, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, Doak Walker Award winner, Archie Griffin Award winner, and Heisman Trophy finalist, <laughs> the Wisconsin superstar himself, Monty Ball, or Monte Ball. Sorry about that. How are you, sir? <laughs> you good, man. You good. I I'm nailed good. it until the end. I nailed it until the end. <laughs> No, no, it's fine. I always tell people tomato, tomato. So please don't feel bad about that. But I'm, I'm doing well, man. I, I, I I'm doing well. I, I want to thank you guys for, uh, for reaching out to me and uh, wanting me to hop on. This is awesome. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why you're appreciating us because you know who wouldn't want to talk to you? You know, you're, you're, you're a, a college football legend. Um, so let's let's just hop into the beginning. 
Um, you're originally from Eastern Missouri, and uh, you finished high school with 8,000 yards rushing, 107 touchdowns, and you were still only a three-star recruit. Um, <laughs> did that sort of motivate you going into Wisconsin, uh, you know, maybe not getting what you think you deserve? Uh, it did. It most definitely did. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we were taught, obviously, in high school not to pay so much attention to the three stars, four stars, all that crap, because, you know, it's just like the outside noise and stuff. But us players do. You know, we mm-hmm. do. We love that stuff. Uh, we thrive on it. So, yeah, I, I was hoping to be at higher recruits, uh, you know, higher, have more stars than just three. But unfortunately, I didn't. But that was my motivation. Absolutely. As soon as I stepped foot on, um, at Wisconsin, I was like, you know, I, I obviously I didn't do enough, so I have to do more. Yeah, luck, luckily, we're, you know, we're, we're a little bit removed from your time at Wisconsin. When you were coming through high school, was Wisconsin the number one? Wisconsin, like, where you wanted to go? Or was it, you know, since you were a three-star recruit, you didn't, go, you didn't get looked at by, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, somewhere like right. that? Uh, it's funny because it was between – so I had about eight to nine offers, mm-hmm. and it was between um, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Stanford. Um, I didn't want to go too far away from home, so I, you know, opted out of of Stanford. Um, so it was between Iowa and Wisconsin, and I actually took, I think it was two visits to Iowa, two visits, and um, you know, I liked it, but it was still missing something. But then once I took my official visit to Wisconsin, it was it. I was like, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to play football at. This is the stage that I want to play football on. Um, and, of course, you know, I wanted to follow in Ron Dane's footsteps. I wanted to um, go to a program that, you know, appreciated their running backs, gave their running backs the football, and, uh, you know, put some big guys in front of them. Absolutely, man. I have a question about the the ranking process coming up through high high school with baseball, you know, you can improve your um, ranking by increasing your velocity pitching or, you know, um, running a faster 60 yard dash. It seems like it's a lot of subjective stuff when it comes to football, you had great high school stats and you were only three-star. Did they give you any explanation of why that was? They didn't actually No. So I think, um, you know, some of those platforms rivals.com or, or, or anything along those lines. No, no explanation. No, you don't even know where they get the, the amount of stars from, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe just because I was from a smaller area and there's just not that much exposure. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, no, no explanation, no reasoning behind it. Um, and, and I know that it, you know, it, it affects the psyche of some players because <laughs> mm-hmm. that lack of explanation, or, you know, there is no explanation. So it kind of messes with some people. So I actually never really thought about that. They, hopefully they have changed that, that up. Yeah, because it just doesn't seem like you said very fair. It could mess with your psyche because literally it doesn't seem like you could have done anything better except for maybe, I don't know, like throw 20 touchdown passes through your college <laughs> career. Like what could you possibly have done better to get a better ranking? Because obviously you're, you know, when you got to college, you proved that you should have been four or five star probably, or I mean, mm-hmm. at least a four star, probably a five star. So that's kind of crazy. I mean, it blows my mind a little bit, but I, I'm just thinking that because I have a baseball background. I was just curious. Yeah, if, you know, yeah that's a good no, I like that question. No, because I, I never actually even thought about that. They don't, unfortunately, and they need to start doing that, actually, if they're not already doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because yeah, um, yeah, I think, obviously, yeah, when I went to college, I obviously proved that, <laughs> you know, my stats in high school were not inflated. They weren't padded or anything like that. It's, um, 
I was just fortunate to be placed in some good systems. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and um, it, it's actually, it, it goes, like you were saying, the psyche of the player, because, you know, something that I was taught growing up, because I mean, I, I, Kyle has a baseball background. I have a football background. Okay. Um, growing up, you know, my, my stepdad always taught me, um, you know, if, if you want to play more, you go to the coach and you ask, what can I do to be better? Yep. And, you know, for these scouts to come out and, you know, and, and rate you a three-star, three-star recruit, you know, there's no way for this player to come to them and say, hey, how can I be better? Right. And so, you know, this player is playing their heart out and there's nothing they can do to, you know, improve their, you know, their stock as a recruit. And I mean, look, look at a player like uh, your fellow Wisconsin alum, J.J. Uh, Watt. You right. know, J.J. Watt is right. what, two or three time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. And I thought he was a zero star recruit. Yeah. Played tight end at what? Central Michigan. Yep. It was. For the, you know, there's there's no way for these players to in, improve their stock. You know, I mean, I mean, I think it worked out pretty well for JJ Watt, but right. there's, there are probably some players out there that are incredibly talented that just don't get the exposure. Yeah. That, that's a great, it's a great topic, man, because, you know, even though I, I, I played in a, you know, smaller town and was in, uh, in Missouri, right outside St. Louis, I was only a three-star from that area. So yeah, I can only imagine other areas that are, you know, people struggle to find on the map, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I, I can imagine how much uh, or the lack of exposure that they, that they receive. And I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm thinking right now in my head, how many players are slipping through the cracks? How many, how many great players are not being recognized and how many great players um, are just, yeah, just not giving the same opportunities as others. Um, I hope that they expand and they just have more boots on the ground, more people going out, more scouts going out, diving into these backwoods uh, yeah. high schools. You know what I mean? Because I think that's what they need to do. Because because JJ Watt's a great example. Yeah, um, Josh Allen is another one that comes to mind where he was a guy yeah. who was in you know nor- I guess he was in Northern California. Went and, to JUCO. Yeah, went to JUCO because mm-hmm. Fresno State didn't want him. Now look at him. But anyway, it's, it's just something yeah. that kind of popped in my head. But coming off that ranking system, when you got to Wisconsin as a freshman, um, did you feel like there was any different treatment between a three and a five-star recruit? Or do you think that they got any different opportunities right off the bat? They didn't have to prove themselves quite as much? Uh, no, I think it's uh, the beauty about it. You know, obviously, I, I only know what I know, which is Wisconsin. Um, I would assume it's the same elsewhere where it's, you know, I had the opportunity to obviously perform early on. Uh, I had the same opportunities as everybody else, but I actually didn't play that much my freshman year or even the first half of my sophomore year because I wasn't performing at such at a higher level than the, the other running backs who were in the group. And uh, I had to still get over that learning curve of, of, of some things, but uh, to answer the question, no. Same opportunities, same amount of reps and practice, uh, they – don't really take that into consideration or they don't really worry much about that. The coaches, at least mm-hmm. once you get there, it's, you know, your scholarship, if you're on scholarship before your scholarship, they always, they always just tell you it's year to year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's year to year. You got to prove yourself every single year. Um, so that's, that's how they kind of level the playing field for everybody. And, and, you know, since we're, we're, you know, we're sort of moving through your career a little bit. Once you got to Wisconsin, you were one third of one of the best backfields I, I can remember. Um, being James White, Melvin Gordon, and yourself. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, when you look back, do you do you think you recognized how talented that running back room was? <laughs> uh, that's the beauty about hindsight. Um, 
you know, as obviously as, you know, they're still performing very well in the NFL. Now I get to look back now and say, man, you know, we, we, I played with some really great uh, players, um, not even just in the backfield, that being Russell Wilson, JJ Watt, um, et cetera. So, so yeah. So, so yeah, I most definitely think back on it now and, and I think on how fortunate, you know, I was to play side by side with the individuals that I mentioned, James White, Melvin Gordon, absolutely. We we still communicate. Um, just talked to James actually a couple of days ago, so it's we are we're a good group of guys. And and that's not even including your predecessor, John Clay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Clay, love Clay. John Clay is my guy. Um, I mean, we can even go back to I mean PJ Hill when he was doing some good things. Um, God, and John, you, you just Clay. you put me in a time machine, PJ Hill, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> It's, you know, it's, it's Wisconsin football, man. You know, we, we, we get running backs. I mean, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor, honestly, with what Jonathan Taylor did in the NFL, his rookie year, that goes to show you that his stats in college were not padded. They're, they weren't against, you know, weak schools, all that stuff. It, it's no, it was not a fluke. And he's, he's, he's a great running back. So when I think of Wisconsin running backs, I feel like guys are always there for four years. I don't know if there's any facts behind that, but I feel that way. Um, Do you think it is a little bit odd since the NFL kind of undervalues running backs that guys at Wisconsin will stay all four years, put some extra miles on them and then go like into the NFL draft instead of leaving after three? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the reason why I decided to stay for my fourth year is because of the feedback that I was receiving. Um, from scouts, from agents, uh, or excuse me, my agent, mm-hmm. um, and some of the NFL coaches, uh, size, I wasn't big enough, uh, some things I need to improve on. So, yeah, I think right now we're diving into that conversation of the conversation of, of the how, how running backs are just so underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with if a player, running back's going to stay for three years, or, or excuse me, leave after the third year, stay for the fourth year. Yeah. Um, it's I think it needs to change. It really does because the running back, the running back has to do a lot: catch the football, protect the football, protect the quarterback. Obviously, run the football. Obviously, understanding the defense for where the pressure is going to come from. Um, a lot, a lot, and I think that that needs to change absolutely. So, um, moving through your college career, the 2011 season. I mean, you. I'm sure you remember it. Um, yeah. <laughs> You just scored 39 touchdowns and compiled over 2,200 yards of offense. Um, what did what did scoring that 39th touchdown, tying Barry Sanders, what, what did that mean to you? Because, I mean, Barry Sanders obviously, you know, goes without saying, one of the best right. running backs, you know, he's, you know, this hollowed name, you know. Um, so what did that mean to you? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's not even really that debatable when people talk about who's the greatest running back of all time. Um, I mean, I, I, I respect debates, um, but, you know, Barry Sanders is always up there. It's always number one for some people, always number two. Um, so when I scored that 39th touchdown, man, that's, uh, you know, it's really, it really, it really difficult to put it into words because I played running back and I now just tied the record for, in my opinion, the greatest running back to ever play the game. I just mm-hmm. tied one of his records. Uh, it's difficult to put that in words because it's, you know, you grow up wanting to do that stuff. And when it happens, it, it, it takes some time to set in. Obviously, I've had time now. Um, and 
how I would put it into words now would be um, it's a blessing. It's absolutely a blessing. It's something that I'm going to take with me to my grave because at this current moment, I don't think anybody's going to, I don't think anybody's going to tie with us or, or, or beat it. Um, so it's, it's, it's up there and I'm, I'm fortunate. I loved it. And the 2011 season was one heck of a fun season. <laughs> Gosh, the memories. Um, I'll let you guys go ahead and ask your questions. Cause I can, I can go on forever about the 2011 season. That's that, that's a remarkable year. We, we'd love to hear it. You know, we, we like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we want. We want, like, you know, for, for us being, you know, the fans of the sport, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of hard to put ourselves in, in the shoes of someone that scores 39 touchdowns against division one, a opponents right. uh, in the big 10, not, not even like in like the whack or something. I always like to tell people too the Big Ten too. Michigan State had, I think, those years the Big Ten football had top five defenses in all of NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, that being Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, you know those defenses were ruthless. Um, so the 2011 season, man. I mean, obviously it helped a lot getting Russell Wilson. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you get a quarterback like that. Uh, that's going to open up some running lanes. That's that's going to you know that that complement for the aerial attack and, and on the ground. Um, but it's it, with his leadership and just honestly with the talent that we had, um, as we all know, we were, we were one Hail Mary away from the national championship game. Um, so that, that season is a remarkable one because of how we rallied together, how we came back, how we fought, how we played. We even lost to Michigan state in the regular season came back in a Big Ten championship game and uh, <laughs> got him back. So, would you say that 2011 team was the best out of the three that won the championships? Oh yeah. Uh, ooh, ooh. See, I I say yeah, but I know a lot of people say the 2010 season because you know we had JJ Watt, we had a pretty solid defense, even though we did 2011. But JJ Watt, I think if he would have stayed for his senior year. That being my junior year, yeah, um, I think we'd be in a national championship. But uh, but to answer your question, yeah, the 2011 season, absolutely. We were – I think our offense as a whole was uh, – we can score on any play, any position on the field. That being if we're on our, our – backed up on our five or wherever, we we had the opportunities. We had the firepower to, to score at any time. So I have a kind of a side question here. I'm down in North Carolina now. I grew up in New York. All the people down here that are NC State fans claim Russell Wilson. Is it fair to claim him? I just got to ask. They always say QBU because of of him, Ryan Finley, all these guys that are in the NFL. But, I mean, if you look at it, where did he get drafted out of? That's what I'm saying. I think it's – I think you guys can't claim him because he doesn't even claim NC State. That's fair enough. That's a fair point. <laughs> it's like straight, if he, straight from if, the horse's mouth. Yeah. If he's not claiming it, then, uh, and that's the thing is, I we we still don't know what all happened with him and the coach or the OC there or anything. We're just fortunate that he decided to become a Badger and uh, took our program honestly. You know, him, myself, and others. We took us from, you know, Big Ten championships to, you know some contenders, some serious contenders for the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he's a remarkable athlete, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, of course, you know, after the 2011 season, you had a, another great senior season. But um, 
all of your success didn't come without a cost. Right. Um, at what point do you think um, drinking and partying became um, an issue for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, honestly, my 2011 season, um, my 2011 season was my best season on the field, but off the field, it was um, it was challenging for me. You know, I, that was the year I drank the most um, in college um, because, I mean, I'll be honest, I was an immature, immature kid um with right yeah with success um on a party campus everyone knows wisconsin knows how to knows how to party um so you know i dove i dove in head first um off the field and uh i think you know when i look back on it now i i sort of living a double life um no one really knew what i was doing off the field i was doing it really a lot of times behind closed doors with people that i somewhat trusted um and that being drinking and partying and then trying to obviously still perform on the field and which I was, I was still performing at a super high level, which is what I would always say whenever, you know, my parents would try to tell, talk to me about my drinking. I would say, well, I'm still performing at such a high level. So obviously nothing's wrong. I mean, I mean, how can we even try to have the conversation of, you know, you might be drinking too much when my name was just announced <laughs> to, as a Heisman finalist. So I almost wish that my productivity would have declined just so that I would have noticed sooner that I'm obviously not taking care of my business off the field. Yeah. Like I, I feel like, you know, without that negative reinforcement, you know, it, it's, it's hard, you know, like, you know, I've been 21 before yeah. without that <laughs> negative reinforcement. It's, it's hard not to be like, uh, I mean, I'm still doing me, you know, like I, I can, exactly. I can, I can do both. I can have my cake and eat it too. Exactly. And you just, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, if I, if, if you don't receive that, then it's, you know, for some people, you know, you need to hit that rock bottom in order to realize that you've been doing or heading down the wrong path for, for years. And that was, you know, I'm one of those people. And that's why I always say that I wish I would have seen some of these signs in college, but college is such a fast life. And then, you know, throw it's, it's a fast life anyways for students. But then when you're a student athlete, it's even faster. It's, your days are going by like that because every single hour of the day you're doing something or you're heading to somewhere. Um, so I, I, I wish that, yeah, that negative reinforcement would have happened sooner. <laughs> so with, um, you know, anyone, as you, as you mentioned, rock bottom, anyone can read your Wikipedia and, and, and read your story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so what did rock bottom look like through the eyes of Monte ball? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, man, I'm an open book, so there's no there's no terrible question. Um, I, I don't I don't sugarcoat it. Um, I called myself out for my mistakes because um, I needed to. So for me, my rock bottom, man, is uh, it, my rock bottom. My rock bottom was watching the Broncos win the Super Bowl from jail. Mm-hmm. That was my rock bottom. Um, I was fortunate enough to play in the Super Bowl my rookie year uh, against you know Seahawks in New York. Got destroyed, and but Russell it was. Wilson. It was yeah, <laughs> it was awesome, obviously, to play against him and talk to him after the game. But, um, you know, then fast forward, obviously, once Denver releases me in September of 2015, um, I then move on. I go to the Patriots for, you know, I have a cup of coffee with the Patriots. As I like to say, I was only there for about six weeks. And, uh, you know, they we obviously lost to the Broncos. 
Um, so the Broncos actually send us home in the AFC Championship game. They go on, obviously, to play the Panthers. I meet a woman um, back in Wisconsin. I'm already spiraling, spiraling out. I kind of see that my playing days are coming to an end. My body could never really recover from tearing my groin. Um, I really started to see my that window was closing, and um, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to sit with it. I didn't know how to come to that realization or to accept the realization that I'm, I'm – my, my playing days are coming to an end quickly. Um, and the only person I can blame is myself because I'm not taking care of my body off the field. And so I, I took out my frustration, my anger, my insecurities out on somebody and uh, landed in jail and watched the Broncos win the Super Bowl from jail. Yeah, that was not easy. But as we stated earlier, that negative reinforcement has changed my life. Um, and I always say that I'm glad that I'm glad that I realized that I had a, or had a drinking problem. I'll always be a recovering alcoholic, but had a significant drinking problem. I'm, I'm glad I realized it before the age of 30. Um, I'm 30 now, but you know, I'll be five years sober this year. But I'm so glad that I realized it because my son will be five this year. So he will never have to experience any of that. So sorry if I got diarrhea at the mouth there. Oh, no, that was fantastic. <laughs> what, what steps do you feel like are most important for you in your recovery journey? I know that I've talked to a few people that have gone through the recovery process, whether it be gambling, drugs, drinking, and it's, kind of, <laughs> it's a little bit different for everybody. So what do you feel like was like the first main step that once you got over that, you're like, okay, this is possible? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it sounds cliche, but I always warn people. When we say cliche, it's just always remember, too, there's a lot of science behind it, too. There's been a lot of research behind recovery. And so to answer that question, the first step is you got to you got to you got to be true to yourself. You got to be honest with yourself. You have to realize that there is a problem. Um, and I think, obviously, if one does not come to that realization, then anything else they do to try to maybe maybe help with whatever that is they're dealing with, whatever they're suffering with in silence, well, that being substance abuse, uh, it's just going to be a Band-Aid that they're putting on a like a gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. If you don't realize that that there's an actual issue, if you don't if you don't have that self reflection, if you don't figure out why you were excessively using, you know what was the reason for it, then then you're setting yourself up for for a very very shaky foundation. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that um, answered. <laughs> no, yeah, it did. Yeah, no, and I, I think um, I, I know you said you know talking about diarrhea of the mouth. I don't, I don't think it is at all because I think um, for anyone out there who uh, you know has reached that rock bottom, you know they 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 can relate. You know they can relate to yeah. um, you know needing to see that from from the you know from the bottom looking up. Yeah, um, and that's what I do a lot now, man. When I do my talks, when I speak to certain groups. Um, you know, obviously, I can't. I, you know, my goal is to make it relatable. I can't say, "Oh, you remember that time when you played in the Super Bowl, or, or, or when you <laughs> played next to Peyton Manning." So, the beauty about it all is, I feel like football was given to me this platform to speak on something greater than myself. So, when I have these conversations with individuals, when I talk to these groups um, that I love, love, love speaking with, I, I make sure to just let them know, like, I get it. That embarrassment, that embarrassment that comes with. Um, admitting that you have a problem, admitting that you're, you know, codependent on a substance, um, that stuff's embarrassing or, or going back and trying to look your family 
back in the eyes after maybe doing something you regret. I get all that stuff. I most definitely get it. So I always love to have those conversations of how can we all help to better each other um, and and how important it is to hop on your path of recovery for yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a beautiful road, man. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I can't relate to, you know, having the ball snapped over Peyton Manning's head and going out of the back of the end. I mean, that's just, that's just me. We were done. We were done. Right. <laughs> we were done. As soon as that happened, I mean, if you go back and even watch it, we never grabbed the momentum back from them. Never. And then even right in halftime or after halftime, the first kickoff, Percy Arvin touchdown. Yeah, so, but anyway. <laughs> so um, earlier you did mention your son. Um, mm-hmm. So do you think that uh, him coming into your life was sort of the turning point for your sobriety where, you know, like maybe, maybe you were, t- you were taking your sobriety seriously, but then, you know, having a son sort of put that into overdrive or, um made it sort of like you're like this is something i'm gonna commit to for a life you know decision yeah it's uh yeah once when you have a child uh you know it's 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 true what you hear you know from people who's who are parents um it's hard to describe it because you know you don't know what you don't know if you don't have an extension of yourself a walking breathing living being that literally came from you um, it's really hard to explain it to people, but I guess the best way to explain it is um, it's like a gift. It, it's a gift that just keeps, it keeps giving, it's cliche, but it also keeps growing. It, it's growing in its own way. And it's just a, such a beautiful thing to witness and to be a part of. And so when my son, when I had the opportunity, opportunity to hold him, um, yeah, that changed my life forever. It, 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 I told myself that moving forward, my actions my livelihood, my well-being is going to directly impact another individual who is going to forever look up to me. Um, and so I have to get my stuff in order now. Um, oh, you can cuss if you want. <laughs> yeah, we could, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just shit. I, that, that's, that's, that's what I told myself. That's exactly what I said is I got I to gotta get it together for, for my son because mm-hmm. if I don't, um, then that may be – you know, something that will eat at me for the rest of my life if I weren't to, to get it together for him. Yeah. So you mentioned that you go and you talk to people and tr- help them and everything. Yep. Um, when you have to explain addiction to your son, or maybe you already have, is it different than when you go and talk to some of these groups that are older people? Like, how do you, I, I wouldn't, I'm just curious how you would describe it to somebody that may not completely understand yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love these questions. Cause I, I, just got this question yesterday, actually, an individual asked me, my son will be, my son will be five in April. So uh, obviously they're asking me, you know, what am I going to talk to him about when he's 10, when he's 15, mm-hmm. when he's eight, 17, 18 in, in college or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I love those conversations um, or those questions because, you know, the, we can talk about the science, the research that's behind it. Um, you know, my father's a recovering alcoholic. Obviously, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so you see that paternal lineage there. Um, am I going to pass the gene to him or not? I don't know. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the household. So, you know, me and his mother, what we focus on is uh, just to constantly keep that door open for him, whether it's he's dealing with anything emotionally, not understanding some of his emotions. If he even wants to talk about sex, of course, talk about drugs and alcohol, 
uh, we made sure to continuously talk to him. Again, he's young now, but mm-hmm. we, we just tell him to please just come to us and talk to us about anything, um, anything. Um, so that's what we do on that end. And uh, I guess when I do speak to these groups, these organizations, yeah, I... And hopefully I'm still on your question. What was that? What was your question? No, no, again? I was just like, how, how would you basically, how would you describe like, or is there a difference between talking to your son about addiction versus how oh, you yeah. talk to other, you know, people? So you, I mean, basically yeah. answered the, what I was asking. Yeah. 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 Explaining to individuals who may be day one mm-hmm. into their recovery. Um, I think I, 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 I'm, I have a different approach when I have these conversations because I just want I don't want there to be a surprise or anything to this individual who just hopped on their road to recovery. I let them know that it's going to be a lifelong, it's a lifelong journey. You know, don't expect, mm-hmm. don't expect for next week for you to be this different person and someone who's never going to have the cravings for partying or drinking or, or smoking, what have you, whatever it is, their choice of drug is or eating. Um, it's a lifelong journey and you got to continuously work at it. You got to hop in the AAs, you got to hop in the, anything you have to continuously craft your tools mine is therapy i love therapy um i love 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 therapy and i love helping people helping people is like my drug now Mm -hmm. Uh, helps me to stay sober Um, whether that's helping out the homeless population here in wisconsin or helping out our marginalized populations other marginalized populations here in wisconsin staying busy and doing stuff like that helps me to continuously craft um you know, what I craft, you know, my tools to help me stay sober in it, you know, it's a new, it's a new journey for me yeah. that I'm enjoying. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, I'm not out there banging my head up against other people. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, it's awesome. It's a beautiful journey. You, you sort of just answered my next question without even trying to. Um, it's, you know, what, what made you decide to become an outreach specialist? Because that's, that, that's what you're currently doing. You know, like you said, you, you know, you speak to organizations and groups, but um, mm-hmm. also day to day, you're an outreach specialist. Um, so could you sort of tell us what being an outreach specialist entails? Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, what made you want to do that um, and, and give back to the community that you brought? You already brought so much joy to Madison, Wisconsin um, with your playing days. Um, so, yeah. What, what, what made you want to yeah. do that? Yeah, I love the question. Uh, so I, I work with the Wisconsin Voices for Recovery, and I'm an outreach, I'm an outreach specialist for them. And uh, <clears throat> and what it all entails is, so they brought me on board for a specific grant, which is our overdose data to action grant. And with this overdose data to action grant, you know, the goal is to provide linkage, education, and support for our communities of color here in Wisconsin. The goal is to support diversity in recovery. Um, here in Wisconsin, and, and obviously probably possibly other states as well, we're seeing a significant decline in engagement from our communities of color um, in recovery. And then also we're seeing a significant increase in the amount of opioids and other drugs that are happening or being distributed throughout these communities. Um, so with my grant, yeah, I do outreach with it. I speak to other black and brown stakeholders in the community who own their organizations or who, you know, work with some powerful organizations. And our goal is to put together action steps for how we can increase engagement, break through that barrier of trust, 
keep breaking down the wall of stigma that surrounds uh, reaching out for help. And most importantly, obviously, just dumping as many resources from the university as we can into these communities. So I am technically that the bridge. Um, obviously get a black person for this. So I think, you know, my organization did a great job on that to go and talk to these communities and to say, hey, you can trust us. We we got the right resources for you. We can help you out, you know, with some of the, the healthcare, healthcare disparities that you're facing. Um, so that is the work that I do day to day. Um, I put it, together it, a listening. It'd be, a, it'd be a little different. I mean, it might be 2021, but uh, Monte <laughs> Ball walking into the, the neighborhood is a little different than me walking into the neighborhood being like, hey, you guys need some help. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's and that's the thing i i have i obviously have lived experience i get it um i get how difficult it can be to walk in and try to ask a therapist for help um, to sit in the wait the lobby um i get all that stuff i get making mistakes and feeling as if you can't rebound from them i get all that stuff so i think they did a wonderful job of picking me i'm biased of course <laughs> but, but uh i love what i do i really really do um and I'll continue to give back to Wisconsin because even through my roughest times, uh, Badger fans still rally behind me. Um, and I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm grateful. Absolutely. Do you think it might be even harder for people to, you know, they may admit that, that to themselves that they have a problem, but to openly come out and say it and say, Hey, I'm going to go to therapy. That almost might be harder. I know just from, you know, going through my own stuff with mental health and my friends, like, yeah. they, they'll admit like, oh yeah, I'm anxious. I'm, I have anxiety, but they just refuse to go see a therapist. Do you think that stigma could possibly be one of the bigger issues as well? Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. Um, I mean, we can, we, a lot with, within, with our black communities um, and brown communities, we can even talk about, you know, some are, some are upset. Some are upset that, you know, white people are getting, a significant amount of treatment for opioids, but black people didn't back during the crack epidemic. Um, you know, we got jail, we got 20 years of prison for for having marijuana, but today, you know, white kids or white people are receiving wraparound care, which is great. That that's that's what that's what they you know, these individuals, these people should receive. Um, so I do know that there are individuals in communities of color who are upset about that, but I always make sure to say like we gotta we got to move forward. We can't keep dwelling on that. We got to move forward. Um, so the conversations vary, man. The conversations are, are, are amazing. They vary from maybe possibly a lack of education with healthcare, whether it's insurance or how to use insurance, or is this place covered by my insurance to trust to, and in our communities, of, um, this is generational. We don't really encourage individuals to seek help. That's just not how our communities work. Um, you know, most of, you know, black and brown people live in food deserts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they got more things to worry about, which is what they're saying, than go and talk to a quote, shrink. So really what it is, I guess, in a nutshell, I just have to break down these barriers every way I can. Got to be relentless, got to be persistent. Um, and that's what I do day to day. It, um, I don't know if you, you might have already seen this, um, but something that I, I, I recommend that was recommended to me was this uh, this documentary called uh, The Mask You Live In. Mm -hmm. I've watched um, that. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of picked up on, on what you were putting down because there there's a major a major point of that is, um, is, is men of color 
who, yep. you know, uh, traditionally it's, it's almost uh, more so even than, you know, um, white and other races. It's, it's, you know, there's this feeling of like, you, you just shut up and you move on. Like you just shut right. up. We have, we have other things to worry about. Yeah. Um, when, and, and that gets passed down from father to son, you know, son to grandson. Um, yep. And, and it's, it, it is time to break that cycle. Yeah. And that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that, I love that movie. I love that documentary. I think they hit it on the head where it's, you have that relationship with your father that, you know, I want to prove to you how tough I am, how strong I am and stuff like that. And and in that documentary explained how, you know, most boys do that by the sport that they're playing, you know, football, obviously it's, you know, dad, this is how strong I am. I can go hit somebody really hard. It's so having aggression and exerting it, you were rewarded for it. Um, that's just the game. That's just the nature of the game. And, and obviously in the movie too, they talk about, you know, how, you know, adolescent boys, uh, you know, the, why they go down the path of drugs is because they can be themselves. They can tell their guy friend, Hey man, love you. Missed you. Haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? You know, be, you, they feel safer to become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that conversation is a huge one and I hope it continues. Um, because they, they, they hit it right on the head. So Monte to pivot a little bit back to sports. Um, we asked Amon Green this question. So um, <laughs> he himself, college football legend, you college football legend, um, a little bit of different style of running back. Um, so we asked Amon Green, would you rather juke someone out of their shoes or run them over? He said unequivocally run them over. Run them over. Yeah, yeah, run them over. Uh, as, 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 as beautiful as a Jew can look, as great as it feel, uh, I, th I think it's still, it's it's second place. You know, first is running somebody over. That's, again, the nature of the game, aggression, um, dominance, uh, <laughs> um, exerting or snatching the will. I don't want to say actually snatching the will from the other player. That's um, and that's what you get when you run a player over. Um, it, it's a statement too. It's a statement for the entire team, um, like your team. Like okay, we we came to play today, and then obviously a statement for the opposing team. Like if you're gonna you're, you're in our way, and we're gonna run through you. Um, so yeah, just run them over. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> just run them over. All right, Monte. Well, uh, I'm tapped out. Um, I got nothing left for you, man. I can't thank you enough for coming on. This was incredible. Um, well. And um, uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, being open with us and uh, not being afraid to, you know, go into these sort of um, yeah. unstable uh, discussions. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I think first off, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Love the name, by the way. Knee Brace Radio. Love it. <laughs> I love that. Um let's let's continue this relationship because you know i have my podcast with my brother-in-law Let, let's continue this we can do some fun stuff uh we can most definitely do some fun stuff do some contests some competition that's some stuff uh let's 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 keep building on this guys sounds good to us <laughs> sounds yeah. perfect all right man uh where, where can people find you uh online yeah 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 you guys can find me on twitter at monte ball 28 Instagram, Monte Ball, uh, Facebook, same. Um, my Untapped Keg pages as well. Is my podcast name is Untapped Keg. Um, it's with my brother-in-law. We're both sober, so we focus on providing that safe community for individuals who just want to have a good listen. And again, we're not too 
therapists or two psychologists back there, you know, providing in-depth education with just two guys just talking and having a good time and just creating a healthy medium for those who may have suffered um, last year during the pandemic. So find me there at Untapped Keg. And again, guys, I'll, I'll shut up. I'll stop talking. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thank you so Absolutely, much. Absolutely, man. Have a good one. All right. You guys too. Thank you. Yep. Huge shout out to, for coming on the pod. Just like you said, cool dude. I, I'm going to go ahead and just stamp, put the stamp on it. Friend. He's a friend of the program. Yep. Friend of the gonna program. Have have, going to have to have him back on. Check him out on Twitch. Check him out on social media. Nick, where can the people find you on Twitch? Twitch is going to be twitch.tv slash kneebraceradio. Um, Instagram is going to be, uh, if I had one, with an, uh, underscores between all of it. Um, and then Twitter is going to be at fumbling bumbling. Um, Kyle, you're up, bud. Kyle underscore Craig4 on Instagram. Kyle underscore Craig36 on Twitter. Um, all social media is for Kneebrace Radio. Just at Kneebrace Radio. Easy enough. Find us there. Guys, please like, subscribe, share. Um, help us get to the 45 star rankings. Um, those those rankings that you guys see, it helps us um, in their algorithm. So the more likes and five stars that we can get, the better off we're going to be. Easier it's going to be to spread Nebrace Radio um, and get us to be full time podcasters because that's really what it comes down to. Or for us to sell out and hopefully be millionaires. Either or. Yeah, we'll take either or. But I'll talk to you guys on uh, Saturday. How's that sound? Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon. Peace. Later.